0: pray together. Lord, we pray that at this time you would speak in ways that we can hear you. Please bring to remembrance those ways in which you have blessed us through our lives so that we can listen to you now with thankful hearts, expecting you to work and to move in ways that will draw us closer to you and empower us to be a blessing in your name. For it is your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning again. Good morning. I think uh, I've told you before about how years ago um, we used to... Welcome back, Millers. How was your trip? Perfect. Awesome. Were you surprised? They were. Awesome. Uh, good. <laughs> Uh, Years ago, uh, we were, um, I took my youth group along with the kids from Stone Church to do mission trips down in New York City. And we would have to go through a full year of preparation for these mission trips. And and one of the things that we had to do was to develop a three-minute testimony. Yay. (laughs) It was hard. It was really hard. And the kids had to do it, and we had to do it. We basically had to say, who, how do I understand God? Like, who is he to me? And what has he done? Why do I follow him? And we had to be able to say this in three minutes. And and Jonathan was very clear. He said, there will be days where we're going to be having a worship service and I'm going to point at you and you're going to get up there and you're going to give your testimony because that's what the Spirit told me to do. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, pull me a solid here. Do not let him point at me. (laughs) But we would do this. And also in, in conversation, if people said, why would you believe this stuff anyway?" It was really helpful to actually say, well, actually, here's some reasons why I believe. And for me, my testimony was, I believe in the God who provides. And I gave examples about how God provided for my family and for me through my childhood in beautiful, wonderful ways. When we read the gospel today, we are looking at Jesus through the eyes of John the Baptist. And we hear his testimony, which I have to say probably took longer than three minutes. But time and time again, three days in a row, John is saying, I'm not the Messiah, but he's greater than me. And he keeps pointing to him. And the weird thing is how he addresses and identifies Jesus. It isn't the God who provides, it's look, the Lamb of God. What does that even mean? The Lamb of God. So today I'd like to look at this. And and as we're doing this, I, I want to encourage you to daydream. If you wouldn't mind, don't pay attention to me. Um, just, just ask God, how have you been present in my life? How do I really recognize you? How do I, how do I identify you as God in my life? And are there, are there moments where God has really blessed you in a particular way where you can say, thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for your activity in my life. So feel free not to pay attention. So the day after uh, John said I'm not the Messiah, lo and behold, there comes Jesus. And I have to have to assume that later in the first day he actually baptized Jesus and saw something wonderful. And he, it's so I'm I'm envious of John because he had one thing to do, is just point to Jesus. And then I think actually you know what we all have one thing to do. Whether we're you know accountants or janitors or whatever it is we're called to do, we have that one purpose—to point to Jesus in our lives and to to, to um, sort of express His character in what we do. So maybe I shouldn't be envious of John at all. But I love how John says, "I didn't know who He was going to be." Now he knew Jesus; he was related to Jesus. But he didn't know he was Messiah until something happened, until he saw the the Spirit descend and stay on him. So first of all, let's look at what does John mean by by Jesus being the Lamb of God. And in order for us to really understand what's going on here, we need to go back to Exodus chapters 11 and 12. But basically, this story is the story of the Exodus about how God delivered the Hebrew people from their slave masters, the Egyptians, and God went to war against all of the gods of Egypt. And the last plague was the plague of the death of the firstborn. The Hebrew people were instructed to sacrifice a lamb, and they were to place the blood of the lamb on the the lintels and the doorposts of of their homes, and the angel of death would pass over that home. So basically, the lamb took the place of the firstborn. This story never really resonated with me because I'm the baby of the family. but, But there you have it. So when John is looking at Jesus and calling him the lamb of God, we get some foreshadowing here that somehow Jesus is going to lay down his life so that we can be free. But the author of John is wanting to do something wonderful the story of the exodus is amazing it's a really exciting story but the story of the coming of jesus is more so the story of the exodus tells how god delivered the hebrews from slavery from the egyptians the story of jesus is how god delivers the human race from the power the corrosive power of sin our ancient enemy so that we could live a life with him So when we look at the Lamb of God, we see someone who took my place. We see someone who is offering us life in return for death. Uh, This past week, I went down to to a funeral for a colleague, uh, Dwight Stewart. He was a priest down in St. John, and and we were having the the funeral. It was just a really triumphant funeral. Have you ever been to one of those? It was just like thank you know he's he's with the lord and we're excited for him while we grieve even now but i had this wonderful conversation with an old friend named wally cory he went to the funeral and, and afterwards we were talking and, and he's like a dad to me he calls me son just i love him and and he he said to me i'm very sad about the word evangelical and i thought whoa Okay, I wasn't expecting that. I said, what do you mean you're sad about the word evangelical? He said, I'm an evangelical. And I said, I am too. And he goes, but that's a bad word now. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I take evangelical to mean I take the Bible very seriously, and I have good news to share because of what the Bible points to. I said, yeah, me too. He goes, but in, in, on the Internet, evangelical means bigot. It means racist. It means Southern American. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with that. Anyway, he goes, they've just used this word and they've totally tarnished it. And I was like, ah. I said, but maybe, Wally, we should be less concerned with labels and more concerned with the values. Because there's one major shift that happened within the evangelical movement uh, recently that has been moving away from allegiance to Scripture alone to allegiance to Jesus alone. And There's a big shift here. Some people look at the Bible and they say, this is the ultimate authority in my life. Okay? That often leads to real legalistic attitudes. But when we make Jesus the authority of my life, the Bible becomes a wonderful tool to draw us to Jesus and as it's supposed to. I had a professor that once said uh, if, if Jesus is the good shepherd, then the Bible is the good sheepdog. And it keeps pointing us to Jesus. And if it's doing that, that's wonderful and life-giving. But if it's making us a rule follower only, it can be quite harmful. And I've been there. John gave his testimony, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one you see, the Spirit come down on and remain on is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John was not looking for, uh, for scrolls or anything like a Pharisee. He was looking for that person that the Spirit would alight upon. And I love the one who sent me. And John Uh, 1 verse 6, it says, it was God who sent John. So in his calling, he said, look for this person. And he baptized people so that Jesus would be revealed to everyone. I love how John is up front with his ignorance, his humility. And he isn't focused on on labels or anything. He's focused on the person, Jesus. And that's great Amazon got in some hot water this week, eh? Did you hear about this? Uh, They were leaving packages in people's doors and taking pictures to say, hey, the package was here, so if it was stolen, it's not our fault. But what happened is that the images, the GPS coordinates, the timestamp, all of it was going up online for everyone to see. (laughs) Kind of creepy, right? (laughs) Everyone knows where I live, that this is the size of the package, and that my house was empty at this time of day. So, (laughs) A little creepy. This is where a shift happens in the gospel passage. You take a, a focus off of John's testimony to the reception of Jesus. So the next day, again, John sees Jesus. He goes, There's the Lamb of God. And his two disciples leave and they start stalking Jesus. Kind of creepy. Jesus turns around and says, What are you doing? What do you want? And he tells them, and they say, Rabbi, teacher, we want to know where you're living. Now, we could just say, oh, that's just a simple thing. They want to have access to Jesus. They want to know where he is. They want to be able to to call upon him and to see how he's living and and they want to share their life with him. And the beautiful thing here is that that Jesus doesn't say, okay, I, I live down at the end of that street, second house on the left or whatever. He says, come. Come and see. And he invites them into this walk with him, this relationship with him. And... That's a beautiful thing, where we are invited into this relationship with him. Then we get get turned over to uh, what Andrew does. Andrew takes a really great cue from John the Baptist, and the first thing he does is he testifies to his brother, we found the Messiah, come and see. Not only does Jesus invite us into a living relationship with him, he then changes us. You look at Peter and he says, Simon... Son of John, you're going to be called Cephas, which means rock. And we all know Peter is one of the pillars of the ancient church. And we think, how could Jesus name this guy the rock? He was so inconstant. Right? He was always putting his foot in his mouth. He's getting rebuked by Jesus. He's trying to control Jesus. And then he denies Jesus three times. How can this guy be a rock? And this is how. Because in all of his waywardness and shakiness, Peter demonstrates that God's love will not quit. It is a sure thing, solid as a rock. And that's where the good news is. What is your testimony with Jesus? Where is there in your life where God has broken in and done powerful things that you can give thanks for? Uh, today, I, I want to do something a little different um, because I, I heard a song this week and it really spoke to me. Um, and I don't know where you're at. For me, I feel like I'm in a low place right now, a lot of grief, a lot of, a lot of darkness. But I want my eyes to be lifted from that darkness and onto Jesus and what he is doing. So I want to play a, a video here, and it's called Different. And, and there's a little bit of an intro uh, where the guy explains what's going on in his life. And the video is about five minutes long. And I just want to invite you to just be still and, and, and invite Jesus in in a greater way. To Say, where are you living right now? Where can I participate in what you're doing? Because the change we want to see in the world has got to begin with us. So let's just pray, and then, then I'll play the video. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you were revealed. We thank you that that you have called us into the ministry of John the Baptist, which is to reveal you to the world around us. So, Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you. And, Lord, we, we ask that you would so reign in our minds and in our hearts that we would be agents of light and peace and healing in this world. In Jesus' name do we pray. Amen. So this song is called Different, and it's written and performed by Micah Tyler.